Before we dive into this powerful episode with Luke Zerato, a sober marathon runner who struggled with alcohol use disorder for 15 years, I want to first tell you about our sponsor. You know I take my running fuel seriously and I'm very intentional with it. That's why I was ecstatic when I found 2 Before Performance Nutrition. 2 Before is a New Zealand-based company on a mission to help elite and everyday athletes thrive in their chosen sporting endeavors through the power of one smart berry, the New Zealand Black Current. You can say goodbye to synthetic stimulants, jitters, and crashes that often come with your typical pre-workout powders or gels and say hello to natural plant-based pre-workout made from blackcurrant berries. Blackcurrants are science-backed and benefit-packed berries that have been proven to increase endurance, speed up muscle recovery, and strengthen immunity. I started incorporating two before into my pre-run fueling routine before a hard speed workout or a long run, and I can truly feel the difference. I feel like I can sustain faster paces and push harder for longer during my workouts or races. It also helps speed up my recovery significantly. Use my code JMiller for $10 off your order at twobefore.com. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Miller. Every week, I chat with fascinating people from all walks of life in order to bring you knowledge, inspiration, and insight. If you enjoy the show, you can support it by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing it with a friend. This is the Jeremy Miller Podcast. Luke Zerato, welcome to the podcast, dude. I'm super excited to chat with you today. Hey, Jeremy. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. So you've got uh, a very unique and uh, inspirational story that I think a lot of people are going to love to hear and a lot of people are probably going to resonate with it. Um, so do you kind of want to just give us like a broad overview of your story, like the message you've been putting out, and then we'll kind of dive into all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So just in a nutshell, uh, you know, I'm from Toronto, um, Toronto, Canada. And, uh, you know, I am, I identify today as a, as a sober athlete, you know, sober marathon runner, sober dad, sober husband. Um, and I'm super proud of that identity that I'm, that I'm, that I'm taking on. And it's, uh, it's been a bit of a journey, um, to get to kind of where I am. I've, I've had a lot of struggle with, um, with alcohol, alcohol use disorder sort of uh, resonate with me. And I, you know, I, uh, made a lot of changes. Um, I'll be coming up to seven years sober in uh, January or uh, seven years. So it's, uh, it's been a long time and it's been honestly the, the best thing that I've ever done for myself. So I, um, I became super, uh, passionate to, to, to share my story, um, to, you know, to be more open and transparent about that to, you know, hopefully, you know, impact a couple of people along the way to show them that, Hey, it's, uh, it's not this doom and gloom life that uh, maybe a lot of people think that I thought was for sure. And more, more importantly than that, it's, um, I, I never identified with, uh, you know, being, you know, being an alcoholic, like I never drank every day. So I know there's so much to be had, so much benefit to, to be had with so many people, not just those who quote unquote, you know, are alcoholics or drink every day. There's, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of positive. So yeah, so, it, you know, that's my story quickly. You know, I, the running has become a huge, a huge passion for me. I kind of picked up running in my, on my journey. And as you know, Jeremy, right, running is the, the best thing ever right for for your mind your body and everything so so i'm really excited to be here and to dive into it a little bit more dude i love that man such a such a wild story um you said 15 years of alcohol abuse disorder yeah alcohol use disorder um yeah. where did all that start so 15 years ago would have been what like 20 or what was like 2005 ish 2003 yeah, so or I well a bit about my background. My dad's from Italy, so I'm half Italian. 
and half French Canadian. And I just say that because, you know, there's just such a culture. I grew up with a culture that, you know, loves to celebrate with alcohol, you know, alcohol at dinner pretty much every night with a glass of wine. So I was exposed to it at a young age. You know, my, uh, my no, no, my Italian grandfather, you know, used to make homemade wine. So, you know, took a lot of pride in that. So I was exposed to it, you know, really, really young. You know, I had probably my first glass of wine with the family, you know, probably like 10 or 10 or 11, wow. like something like that. So I was exposed to it, you know, really early and it was always with the family and stuff like that. And, um, what's your take before you, before you go to that yeah. any further? Um, I hear like, obviously in the U S I'm not sure what it is in Canada. I think it's 19 in Canada, the legal yeah, 19. Edge. Here in the U.S. is 21, and uh, I hear like this this kind of like opposing theory that like in Europe uh, or places like Canada where the drinking age is lower or it's more like socially acceptable to drink at a younger age. Like in Europe, I believe you can actually get you can legally drink younger than before you can even drive a car. And yeah, I've heard that like that's a better way to wean you into it because it kind of makes sense. Uh, I'll try and keep this short. <laughs> I don't. I want to let you talk too, but um, like that people in the U.S. like they learn how to drive a car, they do all these things and then they can drink. And so it's like, they well, want what we can't have. Right. And so right. when you are withheld from this thing for so long, then you turn 21, you just go on this like binge for years and years. What's your take on that? Yeah. No, I, I honestly think even though my stories that I kind of was exposed to it young, I, I, I believe that that's probably the, the healthier, better way because when you do, you know, go away for school, I went away for university. Um, it wasn't new to me, right. I was around alcohol a lot. So it wasn't like, Oh, I got it. Can't wait to try this. Right. I, I had been exposed to it and I had a lot of friends that maybe, um, you know, didn't drink much in high school or, or it was just, you know, their parents were a lot more strict with that kind of stuff. So when they were out, it was like more extreme. But for me, it was more of a gradual thing. You know, it, it was like, um, you know, it was kind of, you know, I had different phases kind of in my drinking career, I call it, um, you know, at the beginning, I guess, was to fit in. Right. You, you know, you're in your you know, early high school, you're just trying to fit in with everyone else. So it was kind of a bit of that. And then I guess in, in university, it was more around, you know, kind of, I developed this like character, you know, I love to, um, you know, be kind of the you know, goofy, goofy guy, fun guy, uh, you know, uh, so I was very, um, you know, animated at, at, at different things. And then my character or my identity was around being that kind of goofy guy that loud outspoken guy you know a bit arrogant a little cocky so so that was the kind of role that i thought i had to be all the time and i couldn't do that role sober like there's no way i could you know be that role sober so it was just like i just constantly w would fit myself into that role and i think it really uh, to, to simplify it, it was because i was so worried about what other people thought about me so there's like a kind of an insecurity of like a hundred percent. This is no, how I can be accepted by people. Is a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I masked it a lot, and um, it was you know I had major social anxiety actually. If you just net it out, it's it's I was uh, I would get very anxious um, with, with uh, you know social situations because I wanted people to like me, and I thought I had to be like so extra to uh you know to get attention or or to to have people you know like me and then once i once i kind of like i kind of enjoyed that right and then it was like i had to be that all the time where do you think that comes from like that initial do you think it just stems from like i just want to be accepted do you like do you think it could root back to like either like home life growing up like with parents and family and stuff like that i think there's definitely a part of that but for me that wasn't the case like for me 
It wasn't the case. I had, you know, two amazing parents loved me. My brother and I gave us so much love, so many opportunities, um, so much attention. So I wouldn't say for me personally, it was because of that, but I could see that definitely playing into it. I just, I like, I just like to have fun and I just didn't know how to, how to stop. You know, that was, that was it. It's like, I could get going. And then once I was like into, into the groove or having a few drinks, it's like, why would I want to stop after a few drinks? Right. Like, why would I want to stop? And the, and you know, after university, like, you know, I came back home, started working full time, moved out on my own. You know, I found that, uh, you know, started working full time, started making some money. It's like, Hey, you know, Luke, it's not that bad. Like you're, you still have a job, you know, you, you're, you're still holding it together. Yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll go pretty hard on the weekend, but come Monday, you know, I was showing up to work. It wasn't impacting my work a ton. I mean, I'm sure it was, but you know, nobody knew that I was really kind of having these sometimes, you know, 24 hour, uh, you know, benders, you know, so it was, um, so it's interesting. And, and that's why it's like, I'm so excited to be talking to you, Jeremy and, and you know, others is that I want to share my story because it's not one that I resonated with hearing and I didn't hear too much about where a lot of the stories I hear people like hit rock bottom or really had things pretty deep into the, you know, different things. Like, and you know, I, I would listen and be like, ah, I don't really resonate with that. And you know, that's not really, but for me, it was like, I was very high functioning. Like I, I was very high functioning. So, so that's why I think it's important to just destigmatize this thing and talk more openly. Cause I really feel that, you know, people can benefit from going alcohol free. And I'm not saying like I'm, I'm pushing sobriety on everybody. I'm not, it, it's very an, an individual thing. And I have nothing against alcohol. Like my wife, she drinks, um, you know, my, my family, my brother, my, my best friends, 99% of them drink. But I just know for me that is that this is the best thing for sure. Did anybody ever call you out and be like, dude, are you drinking on the job? Or like, are you, are you out driving around while you're drunk right now? Did anybody ever no. call you out? No, no. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't really doing that. Um, you know, I would, I would, I would party pretty hard on the weekends, but I like, I'd always, I would always uh, get my act together. Like I never showed up to work, you know? Um, well, I was probably definitely hung over, absolutely huge cloud. Um, but I wouldn't, uh, like, I wasn't intoxicated showing up to work. I never did that. So I, w I wasn't that, uh, that bad, but I, but I, at the same time, like, you know, just being, just being honest here, it's, um, when I was living on my own, I did get it, you know, introduced into, you know, drugs and that definitely accelerated things for me. You know, my drug of choice was cocaine and it was, uh, you know, I felt on top of the world when I would do that. And that's when the drinks never became enough, you know, a couple of beers with the, with the guys was never enough anymore. So it was always this next best thing. And once I got introduced to that, things, uh, things really accelerated. Like they got harder for me to stop. And it was like, I couldn't just have two or three beers anymore. It's like that, that wasn't enough. Dang. So you would mix, like, would you start out with a couple of drinks and be like, Oh, I need more. And then, yeah. and that's when the cocaine would come in. It, exactly. Oh, exactly. Man. And then you just feel, you know, then you're just kind of, um, you know, you're doing things that you normally wouldn't do. You're saying things you would normally wouldn't say. And it's just, it's just, it wasn't a good look for me. And it was, um, it created a lot of, uh, you know, shame and, and guilt and regret and a lot of, a lot of different emotions for sure. I was, you know, naturally hurting people that were closest to me. You know, I had a long girlfriend, now my wife, who was kind of with me through all those struggles. And I put her through a lot. 
And, um, you know, the other thing too, is I, I hid it from a lot of people. So they didn't know how bad it was. Right. So when I first, this, you know, was on this, on this sober journey, like a lot of my friends were like, why, like, what's wrong? Like, why you don't have a problem? Like, what do you, like, I, you're not really drinking much more than me. Like, you know, so, but cause I was really good at hiding it. I was really good at like showing up on, like I said, on Monday, totally fine. Or, uh, you know, I was good at hiding it and I hit it through, you know, my, my career, had a good career, you know, I had a, my own place, you know, all these things. Like, you don't look like you're struggling with alcohol. So that's hard to justify quitting then. Cause if, if nobody else can notice it or recognize it except for you. Yeah. Um, and especially if you say you want to quit, people are like almost encouraging you to not quit. Cause it's like, you don't have a problem. That's, that's gotta be really hard to actually get yourself to, to quit then, right? It was tough. It was very tough. It was very difficult. And as a matter of fact, um, for five, for five years of my sobriety, I was ashamed of it and I never talked about it. So most people didn't know I was actually quote unquote, not drinking, not using because we just hide it. Ashamed I was ashamed of being sober. All, I, I was oh, in the wow. sober closet. I was totally ashamed because I, I thought it was like a weakness. So outside of like my girlfriend and, you know, my family, close friends, they knew, but like, you know, colleagues and friends of friends and extended circles, they had no clue. Um, clearly I wasn't as you know animated as I, as I was, but I, I found like, I, I would always make excuses why I wasn't drinking. I'd always uh, play it down, you know? And uh, I did that for five years. I wow. did that for five years. And it was, uh, it was, it was like, it was tough to do that. You know, because I felt like I, like, I just felt like, yeah, I was being myself, but I was hiding a part of myself. Yeah, dude, I, I think that's, uh, I think that's one of the, honestly, one of the most important conversations that, like, people rarely have is, like, it's, uh, the fact that it's socially, it's, alcohol is so socially accepted that if you don't drink, if you're sober, yeah. you're, like, the outcast. You're questioned of, like, wait, you don't drink? What's wrong with you? It's, like, it blows yeah. my mind that like, I mean, I've basically quit drinking. Um, I'll have like a beer every like four months, maybe. It's like very, oh, wow. very rare. Yeah. Um, and like, if I go out to dinner with friends and stuff and I don't drink, it's like, they literally ask like, what, what's wrong with you? Like, I don't know. It, it's, it's just, it's so crazy. Like even this guy, I coach for, for running, um, he, he has like this, this job that's like very social, political, all this stuff. And, um, he doesn't want to drink anymore, but he's like, I kind of have to for my job. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, if I want to fit in with my colleagues and my, my bosses and managers and all this stuff, like I kind of have to like go to these social events and drink yeah. and partake in all this. And I'm like, dude, it's just so unhealthy. The society pushes that on people. It's so true. It's so true. I, I can relate to that. And congratulations too. I mean, it's, I'm not surprised to see that you, you, you don't drink much because all you're doing with your training and so many different things, it's, it'd be tough. I mean, it's not impossible, but yeah, I mean, it's like the only drug you need to justify not using. And then the only drug is like, you get judged if you use too much. Yeah. So, so you use too much, you're, you're bad. And if you don't use, you're bad. So it's like, wh how are you accepted? You, you got, is it like the perfect amount? Is that what, like, you know, so it's, it's interesting right. that you need to justify not using something that's not really good for you if you think about it, right? Yeah. It's so crazy. I don't, I don't know where it comes back to or, or where, like, you know, this all originated, but somewhere in society, everybody's just like, oh, we all drink alcohol. We can't, <laughs> like you said, you can't drink too much. Otherwise you're an alcoholic. Yep. But you have to drink at least a little bit, otherwise you're a weirdo or something. Exactly. Like, it's so it's so crazy. How do you approach it now? Like if you go out to dinner with friends or social events and stuff, how do you approach it? Oh, it's it's very simple. Uh, it's very simple. Like I just don't drink, right? 
I, I don't flip flop with that answer. And it's taken me a long time to do that. Because like I said, for five, my first five years in the sober closet, I make excuses, make excuses. I'm on medication. Love that one. I'm on medication. You know, I'm on a, I'm on a cleanse. I'm on a detox, but I would, I would just make up things. And I found that it was easy, but it worked. So it worked. That's the important thing. It worked. But now it's like, I'm so open and transparent with, with, with my story. And I actually have, I've like, I now have, I'm proud of myself for this journey. And it's like, I'm really like grateful for that for myself. And it's like, be like, be proud. Cause I, I was, I had carried so much shame around it for so long. So it's now it's like, I don't drink it. And it's like funny. I love talking about it. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm so open about it. It's like, you know, my, my Instagram is very you know, open about it. I'm doing alcohol-free life coaching now. Like I'm, I'm all in on this space and it's, and it's because I know the impact that this can have on, on someone's life. And that, it, you know, when something becomes like you really excited about it, it, it's, it's the greatest thing to be kind of doing that, you know, on a, on a regular basis. I love that, man. What do, what do people say? I'm sure you still get the same response. Like if you go out to dinner, if you're with friends and stuff, like, do people still say stuff like maybe it's somebody you don't know and you're going to like a work dinner or something? Do they, do people still say stuff like, oh, why aren't you drinking? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Why aren't you drinking? You know, you can have one. Like it's not that bad, right? Like we can have one. We'll shut it down early. Like, but it's like, at first I would, I would like just go into like this oversharing mode where I was just like, I felt like I had to, you know, ease the tension because when you say you don't drink, naturally people will be like, well, how do I don't, I only drink on the weekends. I like they justify their drinking. It's a bit kind of, it can be not all the time, but it can be a bit awkward. So I was always trying to like, like silence that awkwardness. So I would just overshare. And I basically tell my life story in like two minutes. And then it was like, it was like, why did I do that? Like, why did I do that? I don't need to do that. So that was hard. That was because I, again, like, I, I love, you know, making, you know, people kind of, you know, like, I want people to like me. So I wanted to ease that tension. But now it's like, no, I just, I just less is more. And I just say things like, I don't drink. And why? It's like, because I am much happier and I'm much better when I don't drink. And it's just, and if, if they go again, and I I love simplifying this, Jeremy, and I, I've said this a lot is I'm allergic to alcohol. It's just <laughs> that simple. It's like, I'm allergic. If you're allergic to, if I was allergic to peanut butter, would I want to have a little bit of peanut butter? No, I, it would, it would give me hives. I would need EpiPen and it would just, I wouldn't have peanut butter. So that's how I kind of look at alcohol for me. And I feel like just such a, such a simple way to say that, such a simple way for my mind to process that it's really, uh, you know, it's really helped me and it's, and I kind of like to joke around about it a bit, make it a bit more lighthearted. I love that. Dude, I, I might have to steal that one. I'm allergic to alcohol. Dude, I mean, <laughs> in a way, when you think about it, I think we all are like, I know I would love to hear somebody argue that alcohol is good for you. Like physically, mentally in any capacity. Cause as far as I know, there's no, there's no benefits to it other than like the social, like it, it brings you and it brings more energy and, and, uh, you know, animation out of you, I guess. But besides that, like, I don't know any benefits. There are probably next to next to no next to no benefits. You know, I'm sure we've all heard Huberman's podcast. Uh, did you hear that one where he talks I've about heard, alcohol? I've heard snippets of it. So he was basically like, that's a really really interesting podcast. I love his like science methodology behind everything. Mm -hmm. um, and he's talking about cortisol, which is like the release, like a bad hormone that gets released, right, and, it's, and it causes stress. Yep. He said people who drink even casually, like a couple of drinks a week, 
two to three drinks a week at baseline it they have they they have more stress than people who don't drink at all wow. which was i thought was a very interesting little study so people right who are drinking a few times a week with a lot of people right not a lot of everyone has an issue or problem with alcohol at baseline when they're not drinking their their stress level is a little higher and i thought that was pretty interesting yeah i think everything goes up i would imagine like your sleep gets you know messed up so you're you're probably more tired more fatigued if you exercise your recovery is probably not as fast because of you know the sleep and it's just i mean alcohol i, I believe like when it enters into your body it just turns straight into sugar right that's how the body processes it yeah. so it's like we know the effects of sugar and it's um it's just it's a poison in my opinion that's why i stay away from it it, it is and that's i want to be like sometimes i'm a little careful i don't want to sound you know too preachy about you know, alcohol, because like, I look, I have nothing against it. I really do. I have nothing against it. And uh, I want people to enjoy as they normally would around me. So, but I know for myself, it's just, it's it's like, why would I, why, like, what's the risk reward? Like, what's the benefit, right? Okay. I could have, I could have a beer. I'm sure like, I won't go off the rails after one or two beer. I'm sure I could do that. But it's like, what's the benefit that I'm going to get? Am I going to, you know, and um, now today with, with just, so many amazing alcohol-free options like alcohol-free beer i love yeah. alcohol-free beer and i can really put those put them back uh especially in social situations like you know weddings or, or or events or different things like i'll have like six or seven or eight no problem because i like the taste i like right. having something in my hand you know that there's something social about you know having something in your hand and i just feel so much more comfortable when i have a nice cold alcohol-free beer in my hand like you would never tell i'm not drinking and yeah. it almost acts like a bit of a placebo. I feel a bit more relaxed, you know, I'm not trying so hard and it's, and I love the taste. So like, why would I, why would I want to have a beer? Like what's, what's that going to do for me? Yeah. It's that makes perfect thing. sense. It is yeah. definitely a placebo for sure. Cause it's like, it looks like a beer. It tastes like a beer. So it's like that. I wonder, what are the science behind that? Cause it definitely has an effect on that. Um, yeah, I think there's kind of a movement, I feel like, with the alcohol-free beverages, too. Like, the, the uh, what is it, Athletic Brewing? And I feel like every yep. major beer company now has, like, their own version of non, non-alcoholic. Um, so it's cool to see that I think people are becoming more accepted. Even, like, if you go to a bar, a lot of times they'll have oh, some yeah. sort of non-alcoholic beverage. So much, uh, so much of a shift has been happening in the last few years. And I think about those people who haven't been drinking for a long time. You know, we all hear those people, you know, 20 years, 25 years, and... And I just like, it's like, wow, to be able to do that, like kind of back then when it wasn't as accepted, like, you know, now you, you go anywhere, grocery stores, everywhere, there's alcohol free everywhere, restaurants, bars, they're all serving it. So uh, it, it, it's made it a lot easier to kind of not drink, I find in the last, you know, five, 10 years. Right. So those people, those, uh, those OGs that haven't been drinking for a long time, you just got to have a lot of respect for the, for what they've done and. Whenever I meet those people, I'm just like, wow, so much respect for you. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, what did a typical day look like when you were like, like peak of, of alcohol use disorder? Like, um, was it was it only on the weekends or would you like go to work, come home, drink, go to work, come home, drink? What's that so look like? So I never drank alone, never drank alone. I never craved alcohol. I could go weeks at a time without alcohol. Like I, I think I even did like, you know, just short of a month. Um, without any alcohol, which is, you know, a really long time. But it's for me is when I would be around those social situations, uh, where I would have one or two kind of like my peak that, that it was, it was rarely enough, right? Like 
I played a lot of like men's league hockey. So after hockey, we would have like a beer in the dressing room, then a beer in the parking lot. And I'd be fine. I'd drive home, no problem. You know, nothing would accelerate. But if it was the right kind of environment, you know, it was like a patio on a Saturday and it was a nice day. And we we're having like a couple pitchers of beer, like probably watch out. I'm going to, I'm going to get into it. Um, if there was a, if there was a corporate event, you know, at the time I worked at, you know, corporate um, for a large global company. So we did a lot of uh, events and different things. So that's kind of took, brought out my bat, my dark side because it was, a, it was very accepted. It was kind of very accepted in, in the kind of the culture that I was in, right? The work hard, play hard mentality. I lived by that. I thought the more, the harder I worked, the more successful I was, the more money I made, the more I deserved to unwind and let loose because that's that's what I did. I worked hard. I took care of the business, my business, my you know the things that are important. And now it's like, here's my reward. Now I deserve it. That's like the that Wolf of the... Wall Street mentality. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And I did that. I did that for years. Wow. So it's always and, a social setting. Interesting. Sorry, yeah. Go ahead. No, no. It's it, it was always a social setting for me. And I have a lot of different, you know, different clients that I'm working with that I'm helping, you know, them find, uh, you know, their best self without alcohol. A lot of, you know, I'm finding that I'm attracting, uh, which is really cool, these high achievers, you know, people who have the job, the career, they have the family. From the outside, they have everything. But uh, they're struggling too, you know, like, uh, you know, socially or sometimes on their own coping and it's, and and they it's easy to to downplay it like it's not that bad like it's really not that bad i'm still able to do all of these things but it it becomes a point where it's like it's just it's draining you know coming back from from a hangover or just maybe an embarrassing night or something you said or you did you didn't really mean to do you regret it's 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 draining and you just become curious right it's like sober curious like you know it's a term you we we hear a lot about just people who are just like you know, they're kind of in that middle, middle area. We call it like gray area. It's like, you're not like someone's drinking every day and you know, you're, you're often having more than one or two, but you're kind of in that middle. And it's like, you're curious because they're either hearing about it, seeing about a friends that are deciding not to drink like you or friends like me who aren't, who aren't drinking every weekend. So it's like, okay, what is it about? And they're curious, but I think what really holds, holds them back is that it, it's the fear it's this, it's like what happened because, you know, look, we've been drinking for decades, right? It's very, we talked about how normal it is to drink and to celebrate and to have a drink. So it's like, if, if you remove that, it's like scary. It's like, what does my life look like? Uh, what will my friends think of me? What will my partner think of me? Um, because, you know, we've had so many good bonding experiences. It's all of these, it's fear. It's fear. It's the unknown. That's what it is. We fear the unknown. So, that's why it's like there there are so many I don't want to again sound too preachy but there's so many benefits right there's so many so many incredible benefits so it's like that's why why it's become so passionate for me to talk about is because I know the impact that it's made on my life and look I am now a father I have a four-year-old daughter and that was a huge why for me like it was strong enough that I knew I wanted to be a dad uh, not just any dad, I really wanted to be super present. And, um, you know, my father struggled with alcohol. He was a great man, an amazing dad, an amazing man. 
Um, but he struggled and like my parents would argue around his drinking and I grew up with that. And, um, and I just, I just knew I didn't want to put my daughter through what kind of I went through with that. And it's, uh, it, and it became a, enough of a why for me to like, okay, maybe you should make some changes here. And it's, um, like I said, it's been the best thing. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a perfect dad, but I am very present and I'm not a perfect husband. My wife and I, we still argue, but I, but we don't argue about my drinking because when we were dating before we got married, I, we argued a lot about my drinking. Like it wasn't all of our fights, but it was a good chunk of them. Like you drank, like, what, what did you do? Like too much? Or I go out and come home way too late, that kind of thing. So, and even at work in my career now, I'm just, you know, I just feel more present and I'm more, uh, you have more clarity, more purpose, mix in, sprinkle in this running thing that I've discovered. It's just like, I feel like my best self. Like I, 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 I am a better version of myself today than I was, you know, definitely seven years ago without a doubt, but I feel like I'm getting better almost every day. I'm, I'm, I'm just getting, you know, 1% better, a little bit better. And it gives me all of the reason to not, you know, want to drink today and to just keep going on this path that I'm on. I love that, man. Do you, do you have any like distinct memories of like when you were in the peak of that, like maybe like fights or like things you did that you, you know, like, oh, why did I do that? Like, was there any, um, yeah, I guess like just distinct memories of like, well, I should, I might have a problem here. Yeah. There's a lot of them, Jeremy. <laughs> I have a lot of uh, distinct memories that I uh, that I uh, you know have addressed and 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 um, you know I've come a long way from and I keep those kind of close to me because they help me a lot in in those moments where maybe I can get a little complacent and it's like hey Luke congratulations you've done this you've done a good stretch here you, you can have a beer today like you can have a drink like I'll be on you know walking down the street people are drinking on a patio or like you know whatever it is and I see it and I'm just like like you could have one, you know, and, uh, it, uh, you know, my mind just goes into the, like, kind of plays that scenario out a little bit. Like, okay, you have one. What does that look like? Okay. Sit down, have the drink. Okay, cool. What does that look like? Okay. Then mm, you may want to have a second. What does that look like? And I kind of just like play that out a bit. And then it's like, why, why, why would I do that? You know, so I keep those stories a lot in my mind. Um, but, but I, you know, I, I want to share maybe one of them with you is that, uh, so I played a lot of hockey growing up. Like that was my sport, hockey, right? Dude, same and, here. I love it. Oh, you play Yeah. Yeah. That was my main sport. Oh, wow. See, Jeremy, we have a lot in common, man. That's cool. Um, yeah. So hockey was my main sport and, uh, you know, play it. I was skating. So I was too, you know, hockey was my life. Right. And, uh, so after school and all this, I, we started up playing men's league, right? And a uh, good, good group of guys, you know, pretty much guys I grew up playing. It was, it was a lot of fun. And we, it was men's league. It wasn't like a professional or anything like that. But we, uh, we had made it pretty far in this, in this one tournament. It was becoming like a national men's league. It sounds kind of ridiculous talking about it. It was, it was like a big game back in the day, right? And I had gone out the night before and, um, and I had continued partying into the next morning and we had the game and I had to email the team, let them know, or I lied that I wasn't feeling well. So that's why I couldn't come to the game. And it was, you know, a big game back, back then. And I was still partying. I was still 
at the after hours partying. And it's like, I think about that. It's like, I prioritized my, my, you know, party side of me over what I actually really enjoyed to do. Like, you know, like a, like a passion. I love talking. Right. So it's like, when I think about that, it's like, it was slowly taking over and becoming more important than other things in my life. So that was just, you know, I'll give you one. You know, I have a lot of others, but I'll leave you, I'll leave you with that. So you played hockey too, eh, Jeremy? I didn't know that. Yeah, I played from, uh, same as you, I guess two, two and a half years old. My parents got me into it. And then I played uh, until I played two years in college, um, just like club level, like D2 club. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so from like two until like 22, if roughly, so about 20 years or so. Wow. Um, I love it. But dude, I think, I mean, I, I, I think that hockey is like something about it just teaches you how to have grit. Like you have to have teamwork, oh, yeah. responsibility, respect for each other. Uh, I think more than anything is like the grit that's required in that sport. Yeah. Um, it's such a gritty sport. And it's like, I don't, I'm sure you can attest to this, but like I still use a lot of the stuff I learned from hockey growing up in my day-to-day life of just like, I don't know, just suck it up and do it. Like just having that mindset of it doesn't matter how hard it is or what happens, like just, you know, put your nose to the grindstone and, and get it done. Yeah, I love it. Hockey's been like a huge uh, foundation for me with my sports and stuff. Like you said, grit and, you know, that, that camaraderie and, and the team sport aspect and, you know, doing doing it for your teammate, right? Like, I love that. So that's cool. Yeah, I know. I uh, That's why it's like I, 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 I really identified as a hockey player. So when I didn't kind of, you know, make it as far as I thought, you know, I've done a lot of re- reflection about that. And, um, you know, like I, I played AAA, which was like the highest level of minor hockey. You know, I was captain of uh, pretty much every team I played for. You know, I was really identified as a hockey player. And then when I didn't, you know, take it to the next level, call, speak, you know, call it, you know, play, you know, school and stuff, but I didn't really go much further. I, um, you know, it's easy to say, okay, yeah, you know, I, you know, cause I'm not, I'm not very tall, you know, five, nine. So it's like, that's, but that's not why it's like, I, I feel honestly that this is how I look at things. Okay. My, uh, and I'm totally fine that I didn't make the hockey thing. I have a great career. I'm loving what I'm doing now, but it's like running. The reason why I'm so passionate about running and why I love it so much. And I can't wait to talk more about this with you is that I feel like running has become my redemption. And by that, I mean, hard work wins every time. Talent alone only goes so far because with my hockey, I was very, you know, very talented, right? Um, I was a great player, but I was lazy, lazy, never was in the gym, never showed up to practice, like rarely on time. I was, I was cocky. I was, I was a bit arrogant with my hockey. So I didn't make it. it if I didn't go further, I feel like because of that. So it's like, for me now, running is my redemption. And by that is base, like your, your talent only goes so far. It's about showing up consistent, you know, the right plan or the right environment and just, and just consistently working at it. And I, and that's, I think about, honestly, I think about my daughter and it's just like the example I want to be for her is that it doesn't matter how good you are naturally. It's, it's how bad do you want it and how, how much are you working at this thing? So I always think about that. This is my, redemption to myself to prove that I can do things, you know, that I didn't think possible. And I do that because I, I continuously show up for myself 
and that's when you see results. So, dude, that resonated so much with me just now. <laughs> Cuz I I mean, everybody growing up no matter what sport it is, it's like you love it, you're obsessed with it, you're like, "Oh, I want to I want to be a professional athlete. Like I want to go to the NHL." Um, I mean, I think any kid has that dream. Um, and then it's like as you get older, you know, you start to get more separated, you know, into like high school, college, and that's where you really, you know, people either stand out with talent and hard work or they fall off a little bit and then they, you know, they play, you know, men's league or they like drop in hockey or whatever. And it's, um, it can be tough because everybody has that dream at one point. And so if you're the one that doesn't end up making it to that next level, it's tough. And I think 100% the same thing um, in my situation. That's so funny. Like, I was captain of the high school team for, for like three or four years. And, uh, dude, I didn't, I didn't strength train. I didn't, like, my nutrition was non-existent. I just ate, like, fast food and, like, processed stuff from the store. Just didn't care because I was just like, oh, I'll just show up to practice, go through the motions. I'll, I'll rely on my talent that I naturally have um, and, you know, the years of experience and not put any extra effort in. And then, sure enough, like, my friends that put in the extra work, they would go to, you know, the, like, open skates, and they would go to the gym and focus on nutrition, and they'd do all this stuff at home. They're the ones that ended up playing college hockey. Yeah. And, dude, that's so crazy. It's Our stories are so similar. It's so wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, and I think running now, well, I feel like I'm just having, like, an epiphany right now from all the stuff you just said. Um, yeah. Because it's, like, yeah, running is a way – like you're solely in control of like your times, your effort, like it needs a direct correlation of how much work you put in to the results. And it's like, it's the same as everything else, but running is such a tangible way to experience all that. So well put Jeremy. So well put. I love that because I also really got into the gym. Like after my, you know, hockey, you know, in, into after university, you know, I, I, I started working out a lot. And uh, I was in the gym probably five, six days a week. Like even when I was kind of like, quote unquote, struggling with alcohol, I was still working out like crazy. And I, I was pretty fit in the sense of like looking fit. Like I was, you know, looking probably with my shirt off. I probably, I 1000% looked better back then than I look now. So it's really into the gym a lot, but there's something about, you know, measuring running the the objective part of running it's like you said you, you get what you give and it's like you see that that progress and that those times and it's it's you versus you um that i just fell in love with you know i was like wow because when i was going to the gym like i wasn't necessarily like you know because I, I respect a lot of people who do crossfit that's really cool and there's like the crossfit games and that's very much like a competent but for me i was just like going to the gym like curling my arms like i was doing like arms a lot and i would like oh look at my bench press i'm doing this wow so cool and i took a lot like, that's really cool but now it's like i love the the fact that it's like i can measure what i'm doing more and not to mention the the amazing community that's attached to running right like i've yet to meet a runner that i do not get along with like that's a fact you know it's like we're all we're all the same doesn't matter if you're qualifying for these races or not you do 5k's or you're doing casual like you're you're putting your running shoes on you're getting outside you're my kind of person you know and i and i and i am waving at you when i'm passing you on the trails i, I don't care what you're doing i'm saying hi to you because i i respect you so much and uh i love the i love the running community Dude, I, that you said it right there at the end is the respect. There's like this mutual respect. Um, even like, you know, I've talked to like elite marathon runners that are like qualifying for the Olympics 
and they respect somebody like me who's running a marathon like 40 minutes slower <laughs> and it's like there's yep. this it doesn't matter what time you're running because it's cool. like running is hard for everybody no matter how fast you're running it's like yeah it's, it's hard and i think it humbles us and yep. it uh it gives you like this appreciation and perspective for like you know like the work to reward ratio and uh again no matter what times you're running it's um where it's all it's like it's all relative to to each person 100 um, percent. i love that man what got you into running initially um was it like before you became sober or was it afterwards no it was all afterwards it was all afterwards you know like i you know, still played kind of men's league hockey. I was still in the gym, you know, five, six days a week. I, I did a lot of sports, skied and, you know, tennis and all kinds. Of, I love sports, right? But it wasn't until, you know, two years into my recovery or, or three, uh, yeah, almost three years into my recovery that uh, I had a really good friend who was into um, Ironman. He was into Ironman and he was, he was also sober um, with me. And, uh, I, you know, I kind of saw what he was doing and he was saying like, look, I think you would be a, a good runner. Like you, you know, you're very you know, disciplined with your, with your gym and all that. And he's like, you should try some running. So, so I did a, you know, I was doing a couple five, like running a bit on my own. And then there was a local 10 kilometer race. It was on mother's day, 2019. And I had trained a bit, right. I, you know, I was, I was starting to run, had no idea what I was doing, but I, I, I ran my first race. And I was just like, wow, you know, first time wearing a bib, just the energy of the people, um, you know, I just felt I was hooked. I fell in love with it and it was such an amazing experience. And then my friend, he says, you should, you should probably do a half marathon. And I was like, half marathon, are you insane? Like, that's crazy. That's more than double the distance. And like, there's no way, like, how am I going to do that? And he's like, no, 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 Luke, like here. So I found a plan online. And I kind of, and I trained, uh, you know, pretty hard, very hard at that. And then I ran my first half marathon in October of 2019. And I was like, wow, this was really interesting. What time did you run? If you don't mind me asking. I ran it in one twenty nine, like 18 or something, uh, sub one thirty. Did you have the goal of like, oh, I want to qualify for Boston after this. So let's see if we can do this. So that's exactly, that's, ex so I did that. I was like, this is really cool. And I was like, looking at the times, like, that's actually a really, like, that's a really, really good time. Um, uh, and I was like, that's like, you know, I, I worked my ass off. Don't get me wrong. I trained a lot. And I was like, that's a really good time. And my friends were like, look for your first half marathon. That's really good. Like you should be proud. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So then COVID happened, right? That's 2019, uh, October. I ran the half, the, tr the Toronto waterfront marathon, a half marathon and half. And then COVID happened in 2020. And what I did was I totally tripled down on my running. And I thought this was such a great opportunity. While call the world is shutting down and probably a lot of people are pulling back on their training because there's no races in 2020. I was like, Luke, you're going to go all in. So I went all in on my training. I got a, got a running coach. I, I was running, you know, following his plan. Whatever he had me doing, you know, four days a week, five days a week, started running, you know, six days a week. And I just fell in love with this thing, this thing called running, because it, it felt like it just brought out the better side of me. And I loved that goal that I was chasing. And it just, you know, kept me accountable in so many other areas in my life, you know, routine, all that great stuff. But I, uh, I, I doubled down on my training. So I just went all in. Dang. And 
I was loving every second of it. I love that. Do you feel like it gave you like a little bit more um, purpose? Like after you became sober, did you feel like you needed something to like kind of fill that time and like fill that void of like from before you were sober? A hundred percent because I was sober about just over two years before I got into running. And I always kind of thought to myself, it's like, look, cool, like good for you. You're you're, you're not drinking and, and you're seeing a lot of benefits, but like, what are you doing with your life that's you know what how have you done like what have you done um just kind of stand out about that and i was like i was thinking it's like yeah okay i'm sleeping better and all these things like but this running became that purpose it's like i need to go to bed earlier or i can't stay out late because i have a long run in the morning and i just love that and then i met a lot of really cool people who were also like runners right friends or different people i would meet and it's like, I just, I, I fell in love with that whole community part of running. And, and then I just, yeah, I just, I, I my identity now, like I said, is, is a sober runner, a sober marathoner. Like I, I, I love, I love what I'm doing. And it's not about, look, it's not about being the best. It's not about, you know, doing all these things, but I just, I, I love it. I love the, um, you know, what it does <clears throat> to my mindset and it just, the lessons that I, that I learned constantly about myself on the experience, like wanting to quit and the pain and the, the, the mindset aspect of running. I feel like, it, you you know, Jeremy, it's all, it, it's very, very much like mindset, mind over matter. Yeah. And, and I love that. And, and now that I, so I, I, like I said, I train like crazy. I, uh, and then I had a goal to qualify for Boston. That, that was like a goal, right? It's like, okay, let, let's do this thing. And I, I train, worked my ass off for about a year and a half running like crazy. And then there was a, a, a very small local, uh, in, it's an inaugural marathon. It's like a small town. There was like no marathons happening 2021, still nothing, but there was this local one. And it said it was a qualified race for Boston. And I was like, I got to do this. So I signed up and I trained like crazy and, uh, I had a good day and I, and I qualified and I was like, wow. You know, like, I can't believe I did that. And it was like, that was around the time that I started being open about my sobriety. Because I, like I said, I was in the closet. It was very uh, ashamed of my sobriety. But then when I paired it with, okay, I'm thinking about the story now. Luke's been sober for five years. And now he qual like he's done something with his life. Now he, now he became a runner, never ran. Now he qualified for Boston. Like what a, what a, what a story that is. So I was like, Luke, this is the time to share your story. So I was like, how do I do that? I, I, I couldn't think of a, of a scarier way to do it than to do it on LinkedIn because all my socials were private and LinkedIn, I worked for this global company, this big company. Nobody knew in the office I was sober or very few knew I was sober. So I was like, I want to let everyone know at the same, like I'm, I'm ready now. Like I'm ready to, to, to just let people know. So I went on LinkedIn, made a public post, had no idea what was going to happen. And, and it just, it was so liberating just getting that off my chest. Like, okay, Luke, like one, accepting and being proud of myself. And then two, getting like letting people know, getting it off my, my, my chest, being open. It was the best thing that I've like, I just felt so relieved. And that, and that's when this whole like, okay, this whole like new identity came in. This, this being proud of myself and it's just really paved the way like just being so transparent and and seeing the feedback and and getting people very supportive and 
more importantly than that, a lot of people who who kind of related to what I was I was going through, but weren't talking about it and weren't you know were perhaps ashamed of it and all these things and and it just really propelled me into kind of this person I am today. That's amazing, dude. Do you remember what the LinkedIn post said? Yeah, it uh, it was pretty short and sweet, and I went back and forth about doing it. I was terrified about about doing it. I went back and forth, back and forth, but. Um, it was, uh, I forget exactly what it said, but I had a, I had a picture of my daughter sitting on my lap with a, with a little, um, sign that my wife made and it said, uh, um, whatever days and da 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 five years sober. And then I also had a, a picture of my qualifying thing for Boston. So it was like the two pictures together. Oh, that's cool. And just my daughter, my lap, you know, at the time, you know, she was a bit, yeah, obviously, you know, doesn't, doesn't know what that means but she's just smiling and it, it, I look at that picture and it just reminds me of like how it could have been different. You know what I mean? It, it very easily, my story could very easily have been different, very different. Yeah. Man. You know, maybe, maybe she, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, I like to not take it for granted and think about that. So that, that, that means a lot to me. Was, uh, was having your daughter, was that kind of the turning point to, to becoming sober um because you said uh is she how old is she now so she'll be four in september so in uh in 2019 yeah so i was i was uh two two i was over two years sober so she was like a big okay. reason of why i got sober okay. so i got i got sober before she was born which is by far my greatest accomplishment was being able to like get my act together before she was born and to to see her now, uh, and the relationship we have together, it is the most precious thing in my life. My wife's pretty cool too, but but you know what I mean. <laughs> the most precious thing in my life, and it's interesting. Um, not interesting, but I'm very proud of this too. Is so my daughter before, and she associates daddy as being this runner, right? Because she sees I'm running a lot, coming home. Uh, you know, she came with me, she came with us to Boston. She's been to every single one of my races. Nice. She's, uh, she sees me running and she, like, she knows what the, you know, the, the unicorn, the Boston, like she always says, hey, Boston, but like she, you know, she knows all about it and she's done three races, Oh, like wow. kids races, like super fun, whatever, like what, you know, one kilometer, one mile races, but that's awesome. she's about to do her fourth in September. And, uh, and she's just like, she loves she like loves to run and I feel like I'm a big part of that. Like the example that I've been with her, like, you know, I was pushing her on one of those Thule chariots for, for a long time. And anyways, when I see her kind of embracing, I'm not that I'm pushing her to be a runner, but just like the being active as a family is, uh, is such a great feeling to see her kind of enjoying that. So that, that's been very, uh, a lot of fun for me to see. That's so cool, dude. That's that leading by example as a parent, I'm not, I don't have kids or anything, but, um, I can see it all the time of like, have you seen the Tiger Woods documentary? Yes. Uh, where his dad would like <clears throat> yeah. set Tiger in like his like high chair and his dad yeah. would just sit there and putt or like take swings for like hours. That's right. And just like let him soak it up because he's a sponge. And it's like, I mean, he might've pushed on him a little bit more to, I mean, that's how he created <laughs> Tiger Woods, I guess. But um, yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, just leading by example, showing your kids um, what, what can happen. Like when you put in the work towards something and, it's probably even more rewarding. It has to be more rewarding for you when you can see them like accepting it and like taking it on and like they want to do it as well. Um, I don't know if we ever plan on having kids, but like 
if we ever do, I, that's definitely something I want to be so intentional about is like always being active and showing them how to eat right and and do, you know, exercising all this stuff. Um, so that's amazing that you're, you're having the influence on her. Oh, thank you. And it, it's, it's a lot of fun. And my wife is not a runner. Um, but we do a lot of things as a family because look, you know, marathon training is very time consuming, t- a lot of time away from the family, like long runs over three hours. So it's like, what, what I try to do, especially in the summer is I include them. So my wife's on her bike nice. and either she's pulling Luna on the Thule chariot or I'm pushing her. So we're doing it together and then we'll have a picnic. Like we'll go at a park and we'll pick up, uh, you know, whatever we want. And then we'll eat, like, we'll make a whole day out of this thing. And uh, just to be with them and and to be outside, it, it's the it's it's the best thing. It's Dude, that's so I can't cool. think of anything better. Dude, those those will be like core memories for her. Like I mean, I know she's four, um, and I'm sure she probably will remember the the majority of it. But there right. are I'm, there's got to be like little core moments in there where she's like, hey, I remember my dad used to like take us on his runs with him, and it's like, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, it, it's fun. It's it's a lot of fun. And it's just, like I said, it, it could have been a lot different for sure. It could have been different. And I'm just, you know, just grateful for, you know, kind of what I've done. Um, and I, and I, that's again, going back to like my, my purpose, right? It's, uh, you know, being the best version of myself, but more important than that to me, it's kind of giving back and showing to others that you can also make some changes in your life that are going to make some powerful impact on not just yourself. Cause like, look, I, you know, you have to put yourself first. Like I'm not, I'm not, didn't get sober for, yeah, I said my daughter, but it was really more about me being, being able to be that, be that father that I want to be. But that's why I'm so excited to talk to you, especially Jeremy, you know, with, with the impact you're making, uh, the, the, the leadership, you know, the thought leadership approach that you have to everything you're doing is, is I want to, you know, say, hey, you you can make some changes too, and you don't need to, quote unquote, hit that rock bottom or have you know, real t- t- troubles at home with your family or different things like that. Like, you want to be a better athlete, you will become a better athlete by taking a break from alcohol. That's a fact. You want to be a better parent, you will be a better parent. A fact without alcohol, and it's um, you know, we're not saying that you're a bad athlete now. We're not saying you're a bad parent now. No way. You could be great, but you'll be even better. Yeah. Um, I've, I, I yeah. heard that from uh, from a- a- Andy, this other guy that uh, that I follow, who's big in the alcohol-free movement, and I just love everything he says. And he said that I was like, "Yes, you know." So it's like a, it's <clears> like, like a, share that. it's like a life enhancer when you when you become sober, right? Yeah, it's a superpower. It really becomes a superpower. That's amazing. I love it. So, so you qualified for Boston first marathon that's incredible dude <laughs> do you know how many people i tried to do that my first one and i missed it by like 50 54 seconds or something um but dude it's got to be yeah. such a small percentage of people that have that have been able to do that so that's that is that alone is very impressive outside of all the other things you've done it was it was my third time ever wearing a race bib it was my third ever race so i did 10k half marathon marathon oh my and it gosh. sounds really like okay cool but like i'll be the first to admit natural talent did not get me there no way no way no way i i i worked my ass off right i i showed up when i didn't want to snowing outside blizzard outside i'm i'm tired i'm you know i was up late with luna 
okay, I'm showing up, I'm putting my shoes on, and I'm getting out the and I'm getting out the front door. What do you think was harder, qualifying for Boston, running that first marathon, or finding sobriety? That's a great question. I feel like they are both kind of the same. And by that, I mean, they are both extremely difficult. They're both very, very hard. And they both challenge you like crazy. And that's why I feel like they're the same because, you know, they're they're not only hard, but they are both worth it. Like that feeling crossing that line, looking at my watch and saying, I did it. And that feeling of, you know, just that how you feel when you're not partaking in that thing that was not bringing out your best and you just see the rewards, for example, my daughter and just being so that relationship we have, it's so worth it. It, it It's, it's the most rewarding thing that I, that I've, that I've ever done. So it's like those two things, I, I can't put one over the other. It's, it's the same thing. Like I literally view my running and my sobriety they they go hand in hand they make they make me better bottom line they make me better i love that dude that's dude, such a cool story man so glad you're you're here sharing it with us it's like i, I just love stories like this and it's there's definitely something um because i've had a couple other people um on the podcast and, and friends now that like they had drug addictions for years and years and then they they got into running and they're just like their whole lives took a turn because of the running and like finding sobriety and it's like there's just so much power in running and exercise and like it, it just provides a purpose in your life i think and it makes you feel good you get like endorphins and, and dopamine from it but it's all so healthy for you um i think running like i'm definitely biased because running is like a huge part of my life now but like there's just something about it that that i think everybody could benefit from and I, like i wish everybody in some capacity would like run i think there's i saw a stat that like 15 percent of I don't know if it was Americans or humans run, but it's like, I wish it was a hundred percent because I think yep. the world would be such a much, it would be such a better place if everybody 100%. just ran a little bit. Cause it, it does uh, something uh, to your mind. A hundred percent. I'm a big believer in that. If, if more people ran, the world would be a, a better place. 1000, it'd be, it'd be a more patient place. It'd be a more positive place. Um, it would be a lot better. And it doesn't mean everyone needs to be a marathoner. It doesn't mean anything like that. It just literally getting your shoes on, getting out the front door, walk runs, walking, hiking, like just getting outside, moving your body is, is a, a great thing that you can do. A hundred percent, man. What is a, what does a day in the life look like now? You're training for Chicago, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And I know you are too, right? Yeah. What's your, what's your goal time for Chicago? So I've been, I've been nursing a bit of an injury the past month. Oh man. Which sucks because yeah. I was getting really into it. My mileage was, was increasing quite a bit. My coach had me, uh, I was going to be doing a hundred mile weeks. Dang. Yeah. But, but I get, I didn't get to do that because I got injured just before that. So I topped up at, uh, I think 136, 138 kilometers, which is about, uh, you know, I think, uh, 80, 80 miles, something like yeah, that. That sounds right. And then I, I, and then I got this like knee pain on one of my long runs. I had a, like a throbbing knee. Uh, oh, I was man. kind of avoiding it for maybe a week or so, and it, and I had to stop my my long run, and it, it's a psoas strain, so it's like kind of like my my hip my hip and flexor, and all the, so I've been nursing it. I've been running a bunch, um, and I'm really trying to do it right, like not push it, listen to everybody, the advice I'm getting, and, and the physio and all that. So I you know 
I did a 19 kilometer run yesterday. So that's about what, 12 miles near the end. I felt a bit of pain. I'm just at this point, I'm just, I just really want to run. Like I, like if I can show up on race day and run, I'll be happy. Like I'll be, uh, I've accepted the fact that it's not going to be what I thought it was going to be. Like I I want it to be a a personal best and all that. I've accepted that it's probably not going to be that. And I'm okay with that. I just want to show up, right? The family's going, uh, we're driving to Chicago. Uh, you know, we got the hotel, we're all ready to go. So like, I'm going to, I'm going to be there, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to probably do the time that I want to do. Yeah. That's too bad. Injuries suck, man. (laughs) The worst. So I know you're trying to do, I think I saw two forty five, right? That's the plan. I'm uh, it's hard trying to train in Texas. This is my first time training, uh, in the summer in Texas. I'm from Wyoming originally. Like, so from from the mountains, um, it's so hot. It's like a hundred plus degrees every day. Uh, Fahrenheit, so that's I think like thirty or forty Celsius. Yeah, it's hot. Um, and humid, it's humid as shit. So it's like, uh, I've, it's like rare if I can actually touch marathon pace, which is which is tough. So it's like everything's backed off by like twenty, thirty seconds a mile. Um, so that's been challenging. But yeah, two forty five is the goal. But dude, I'm I'm always on the side, which sounds like you are too. Like everybody I coach or in my own training, like I'm always on the side of like sacrifice fitness in order to feel good for the race. Like it, the times are fun to yeah. chase after and stuff, but it's like you're always gonna be much better off feeling good going into a race, like by training less or taking, you know, reducing mileage rather than like trying to gain more fitness, but then making an injury worse and just feeling like shit. Like that's like anybody any good. Yeah. Overtraining. Yeah. uh, uh, Big time, big time. What did you, uh, did you run Boston 2023 this year? No. So I ran it in 2022. Okay. Um, and I, I, I struggle. I mean, it's, it's, it's a hell of a heck of a course, obviously. Right. Yeah, it's, it's my tough, second ever dude. marathon. And I went from this small town marathon. I think there might've been like 300 runners. There were no spectators. Like you're running. There's like nobody there going from that <laughs> to Boston. Right. It's like, holy smokes, you know, Boston is, uh, I, I want to hear uh, your experience about it. Oh, it was amazing. Like start to finish. As soon as we got into Boston, we drove. Uh, my mother-in-law was with us, my wife, my daughter, the four of us, we, sh- we got a room and we just, it was the, you know, the city is just like electric. As soon as you get there, everyone's in the bus. You can feel it. Oh my goodness. Like everyone's got their gear on and like, ev- you just can feel it. And I was just in awe the entire time. And, uh, I just, I just was like smiling ear to ear, got obviously super emotional. It was just such an amazing day. Probably one of the best days of my life. Um, just like the family I had some friends who lived in Boston. We, we, uh, walked to their place. They lived right by the finish line. Like it was just a perfect, perfect day. Such an amazing experience. Um, I, I, I was a bit slower than I wanted to be. Um, my first marathon was, uh, 301 40. And then I did the uh, three, 303 10. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, I, I wanted to be under three. And, uh, I also had a bit of a shin splints leading up to that. So it was kind of the last two months weren't perfect, but it doesn't, it didn't matter. Like I, I was just out there and just, I can't wait to, um, so now it's like my, 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 th- my thing that I'm trying to do now is I want to do all the world majors that that's my kind of goal now. So I did Boston, right. Going to do Chicago. And then I qualified for New York, uh, for next year. So next year I want to do New York. That's a plan. And then I want to do the, you know, the rest of them. I love that. I'm doing the same exact thing. That's that's cool, dude. Yeah, because I did Boston this year, Chicago, obviously, and then uh, I think London in April. 
I'm my oh. goal is to do two per year for the next. Oh wow! So finish it within three years. That's um, oh, wow. How'd you qualify for New York? Was that uh? Did you do it with a half or the? Full? No, I, I did. I did the. So I did another marathon after that. I did the Toronto marathon last October, and I did uh, two two fifty. I know two two fifty uh fifty eight. Dude, that's so a big PR. Yeah. No. 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 I. Uh, no, actually, after Boston, I did three hundred three in Boston. Then I did another one in Toronto, and I did uh, two fifty five, and then I did two fifty. Wow! So I've done four. I've done four marathons, and uh, yeah. So my two fifty qualified me for New York because okay. I needed sub two fifty five. So, so that's a plan to do that one, and then uh, see if I wasn't for my injury, uh, Jeremy, I, I would have been right chasing you pretty much. The end. we would have been running together <laughs> for a good chunk of that run, which would have been really, really cool. After you know, getting to know each other here, and then running side by side, taking turns, leading, you know, yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> Dude, well, maybe, so, uh, maybe we do that in New York next year. Yeah, so so you'll do New York too, right? You said London and then New York. Yeah, okay, that's, so that's the plan. So that so the plan is we'll we'll definitely be be uh, be doing that, but yeah. So you you've also done very well with running too, right? Like you you haven't been running for all that long too. No, uh, this will be I think by the end of this year will be my fifth year of getting into it, um, and like staying consistent with it. Yeah, I've done. Um, I've like really fallen in love with ultras and like trail running. Yeah, I saw that. It's so much fun. It's so different from the road. How would you describe it? It's it's like. Obviously, we've talked about how mental running is. It's like even more mental when you're on the trails and doing ultras because typically you're going a little bit slower. It's like less physically demanding because you can't really push the paces because the races are so long. So like your average heart rate, you're mostly like zone two, low zone three the whole time. So not physically like just super taxed, but mentally it requires so much patience. Like the longest I've got is 50 miles. um, And I'm I'm doing my first 100 miler next summer. But um. It's uh, it just requires so much patience, like, because you're out there for you know twelve hours to do like fifty miles or a hundred miles is like you know twenty four hours. So it's like yeah, to be mentally focused and patient and like, and it's like they call it life in a day when you do hundred miles because it's you're experiencing yeah. all these ups and downs wow. and like you want to quit, you want to quit, but then you feel good and then you want to quit again. It's like, it's such a crazy. It's like it's a very good metaphor for life. I feel like. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, that's really I'm really fascinated by that by by ultras, and I I think that's kind of my next. So I'm in. So you're you're doing like marathon training, and you're doing the ultras together. Because I thought they kind of had to be a little different, like like separated a little bit, right? So that's yeah. interesting that you're doing them together. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't necessarily. I mean, it hasn't been the most intentional marathon build for Chicago, just because I, I basically replaced like a lot of my like long, easy runs with like these mountainous runs because it's it's a lot more time on the feet in the mountains. Um, I think for from a muscular standpoint, like running through the mountains is a lot harder because it requires for more sure. power. That's where the strength training comes in even more. Right. Um, so I'm still getting in like a lot of the, the weekly speed work, um, a lot of like long marathon workouts, but kind of just replacing the long, easy runs with like more mountainous runs. That's cool. Um, yeah, dude, I love trail running. Do you have any desire to to get into? No, I, absolutely. That's definitely something that I think about. But I was always under the thought that I kind of had to do them separately. So my mindset was, let's 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 bury through these marathons and and get you the uh, you know the worlds um, and work my ass off. And then I was like, okay, when I'm done that, then I'll get into ultras. But it's interesting to hear your take on that. <clears throat> that you can make that I can do them kind of like together, right? 
Yeah, I think that I haven't thought about that. I think they both uh, complement each other really well because, like, obviously the speed work, you know, increasing VO2 max lactate threshold for marathon stuff, that's only going to make you just more generally fit. But then also, you know, doing trail runs, it, again, it requires more muscular power. Yeah, the um, elevation, stuff like that. Yes, yeah, so your legs are stronger. Um, I think they just complement each other really well. But it's just like anything. It's like running and lifting. Like, yes, they complement each other. But if you want to, like, get really, really good at one thing, you have to hone in and focus on that thing. Right. So it's like, depends on your goals. Like, if you yeah. if you aren't trying to, like, you know, run 230 marathons, you could definitely mix in ultras right. and trail. But if you're, you know, you really want to focus in on, on that one thing, then you kind of have to just dial in on that thing. Um, right. But yeah, dude, Boston, I'm going to, I want to hear more about your experience in Boston. Like, what do you think of the, the hills, Heartbreak Hill, Newton Hills? Oh, it, it was very challenging. <laughs> it was very difficult. And it's surprising, like, you know, you hear a lot about the hills, right? Newton, all those hills. Because we, we took the bus tour, um, like a couple days before the race so like we took that i don't know if you, you did that it, i did I took no. the, the tour and there's like a there's like a tour guide who ran boston like 35 times and he's making jokes and it was a, it was cool to like like see the course a bit and i was really preparing for that but it's like for me the surprising thing were the downhills yeah right? it's like you think that's is going to be easy you're gonna you know maybe i don't know bank some time or just it's gonna be easy but I feel like the downhills were really set up for made it so much harder with those uphills because the the, the the pain of like I was I felt like maybe I was going too slow or too fast at times. I, I had a hard time with the downhills because I didn't really train enough downhills, I think because it's, right. it's it's very it's a different running mechanism downhills. And I felt like but by the time I, I was up to doing those hills is my legs were, were pretty toasty and once we finished that, I was just my legs, like my my breathing was okay, but just my legs felt like concrete blocks. Yeah, know? yeah. The downhill... I hadn't experienced that feeling before, really <laughs> like that. The downhill is tough because it it just wrecks your quads and your knees, um, and and it's also like it's hard because you get used to the downhill. So then when you get on the uphill, you're like, oh shit! It's like a totally different. Uh, you said mechanism, because um, you're you're basically breaking when you're running downhill. So it's it's yeah. so much harder on your body. And uh, so I wore uh, a, like a, a Team Canada singlet. Oh, nice. And uh, it was so cool because I felt like I was in the Olympics because, you know, spectators just want to cheer at something, right? So they'd be like, go Canada. I yeah. must have heard go Canada a lot of times, like a, a, a lot of times. And it, it, I kept saying it, like I was kept like in my mind just playing little games like I'm in the Olympics, <laughs> you know, go Canada, right? So it, it was a really cool experience and um you know like i said just crossing that finish line and uh seeing my my daughter my wife there with me and just being there together and and then we we ordered pizza at my friend's place it was just like such an incredible day met so many amazing people and uh it's just such a cool thing such a cool thing to experience dude yeah what about the what about the left on boylston did you get did you get emotional during that that section I I did, and I kept thinking, like, don't collapse, because I had I'd seen somebody just before that who just collapsed, like his body just shut down, and I was kept saying to myself, do not do that, don't do that, and I was like so scared of that my body, because my my legs were really hurting, and I was worried that I was like I wasn't going to be able to go anymore, and uh, so that was on my mind, just don't 
don't you can't quit now like you can't stop now and then just hearing the crowds dude so was, loud was insane was insane yeah it's a that's a surreal feeling like you you're coming in you're like one you're just ecstatic that the marathon's almost over because you're in so much yeah. pain but two <laughs> like there's just all these people it's so loud because it's like in the downtown so it's like echoing off the buildings yeah um everybody's just screaming at you it's like it's kind of a like euphoric a very surreal feeling yeah it, it is yeah it's it a, really is and I, I like i said i haven't done many marathons but i hear that's probably one like you, it's hard to replicate that right it's unique right. it's the history in boston and how you're running through so many different towns really really cool but i'm excited for i'm excited for chicago i've heard a lot of good things about chicago too uh running through the city it's pretty flat course i heard think you know the city's very um supportive of the event and just just it, it sounds like it's going to be just as of an epic experience as uh is boston yeah i'm i'm super excited for it. I've, I've heard a lot of the same things um do you know what corral you're in i i should check that I'm sure I, you're an A. If you if you, I'm an A. I'm an okay, A. Okay, okay. But yep. are there different numbers to A? I think it's just like A B C D. I think. Okay, okay. So I'm an A. Okay, you're an A as well. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Heck yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll run like the first mile together or something. Yeah, for sure. And then you could just uh, go on off <laughs> <Yeah>. and uh, <laughs> sail into the sunset. <laughs> dude, something might kick in, and you're like, oh, dude, we're just hanging on the rest of the time. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll see. But um, I'm really looking forward to to that. I'm looking forward to meeting you. I'd lo- I can't wait to meet you uh, at the event, and uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's it's exciting. You know, I'm really excited for that, and and you know, continue on this journey and, and trying to you know keep showing up, trying to be my best self, and trying to hopefully inspire a couple people along the way. Yeah, uh, it just gives me a lot of joy. I love that, dude. We're also doing a, a shakeout run the day before, so. If you're if you're there, you don't have anything else going on. One hundred percent, two to three miles. Get a yep, whole bunch of people I, I'd love to do that. So what we're doing because we're we're driving, um, and you know the hotels are crazy expensive. So we have two nights, I guess the the Saturday the Saturday and the Sunday, um, at uh, at the whole at one of these hotels like right smack downtown, like what pretty much walking distance, and then the other two nights I couldn't because I kind of booked late. I couldn't get it all at the same place. So we're, we're gonna stay a little bit outside. Like like kind of maybe suburbs. I actually haven't booked that yet because we're driving. We'll be a bit more flexible, so I gotta oh, nice. still do that. But absolutely, a, a shakeout run. Absolutely, I'd love I'd love to join join you. And, yeah, dude. and to, to do that, that'd be cool, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your story. Um, I think it's so inspirational. Like I said at the beginning, like I think it's gonna resonate with a lot of people. Um, and just showing people like what can happen if you commit to doing hard things and, and, you know, trying to make your life better. Um, cause there's just so many positives that come out of this kind of stuff. And again, nobody has to go and run a marathon, but just like do something that's going to challenge you and that, you know, is going to make you healthier and, and make you a better person. So I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing all this with us, dude. Jeremy, all my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Great, great to connect with you. And I love what you're doing. You know, keep, keep doing it. Keep, keep, keep keeping it real and being authentic. And you're helping a lot of people too. You're inspiring a lot of people, myself included. Like I see what you're doing and I'm just like, wow, this is so cool what Jeremy's doing, the way, and more importantly, the way you're doing it. So nothing but respect for you. And, I, and like I said, I can't wait to, can't wait to meet you in face to face in Chicago. I appreciate that, man. Thank you for the kind words. Um, where's the best place for people to, uh, to find you if they want to reach out? So my Instagram handle is marathon, the number two sobriety. So marathon to sobriety, all one word. 
Um, my wife uh, came up with that. It's like sobri- sobriety is a marathon. It's a one day at a time journey, similar to my sobriety. One damn day at a time. So marathon of sobriety. Um, also, you know, like I, I mentioned, I do alcohol free life coaching. So I'm very passionate about helping people, you know, see things in themselves that they that that they don't necessarily see. So uh, my I have a website as well, and I'm doing alcohol free coaching. I'm also, you know, a big part of my journey is running. So I also do running coaching. Um, I'm also very realistic too, and probably not the best uh, running coach out there. Uh, but people who are looking to find something else, like another hobby or passion, very very big on the running. So I help people kind of discover running or work on improving. So a big part of my focus is, uh, is lifestyle type, type thing, right? To make this last. Um, so they can, they can look at me on that as well. I love that, dude. Don't be, don't be, uh, too modest with the run coaching stuff. Like you've done 250 marathon, like, and I, in my opinion, like who gives a shit what credentials you have or anything is like, yeah. as long as you've done the thing and like you, you put in the work, like yeah. that's, that's enough. I think. Thanks, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> of course, man. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love it. All right, dude. Well, thanks for coming on. This was a blast. We'll, uh, I'll catch up with you later. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe to the channel, leave a review, and share it with a friend. And thank you to our sponsors of this episode, 2Before Performance Nutrition. Use the code JMiller for $10 off your order at 2Before.com, and you can feel the powerful benefits of New Zealand blackcurrant berries. We'll see you in the next one.